Welcome, my friends, to the Generations Radio Broadcast. Kevin Swanson, your host with you. Bill Jack from Worldview Academy also with us. And today we want to interact with some input from our listening audience. If you would like to interact with the program, just simply email me at host at generations.org. If you have questions, comments, interesting topics you'd like to introduce to our audience of thousands upon thousands of largely homeschooled families around the world, just simply email me at host at generations.org with your questions, your comments, or your ideas. Today's question has to do with, well, the fact that we live in a world that there is a significant amount of inequity involved. We are in a world that is corrupt. We live in a world where there is so much uh, abandonment of God's principles in relation to taxation, government, economics, and so forth. How in the world can we survive and how do we make decisions such that we do not go with a crowd or run with a crowd to do evil? And of course, Marxism uh, introduces this very difficult concept uh, into almost all economies. Marxism redistributes the wealth and then basically draws us all in to some participation in the redistribution project. And it's hard for us to weed through it all and exempt ourselves from various aspects of the inequity and the injustice that is brought about by a Marxist system. That's what makes this so difficult, Bill. There's a points at which Christians really do need to forego of Nebuchadnezzar's meals. There are points at which Daniel really does need to pull away from the crowd and pray three times a day and risk the lion's den treatment. There are points at which Joseph is going to have to run away from Potiphar's wife. Yes, we are in the world, but not of it. But how do we participate in the system of taxation, socialism, uh, and a system of inequity that seems to dominate our systems today? Well, uh, here's the letter that was written to us from Montana. Uh, this lady says we've listened to the radio program about economic impact payments and America's debt crisis. My husband and I currently have low enough income that we qualify for three tax credits, which negate all of our taxes and even would provide us with money back for the government. Those are earned income credit, the child tax credit, and the additional child tax credit. We struggle to know if we should take these credits. We have prior to having children pay taxes and anticipate paying sizable taxes again in the near future as our income will rise considerably with the new job we have taken, so forth and so on. We know that we should pay to Caesar what is Caesar's. If the government does not require us to pay taxes, should we enjoy that tax break and so forth and so on? I guess, you know, again, these are difficult questions to, to answer because different income classes are allowed various tax breaks. The rich have their tax breaks. The poor have their tax breaks. And and there is such little inequity in the system. That is, the Bible would imp- would require a form of taxation in which the poor do not pay less and the rich do not pay more. That is, the Bible specifically in Exodus chapter 30, the Bible specifically says that when you tax people for public projects, you will not require the poor to pay less and the rich to pay more. So that that line as far as a percentage of their as a percentage yeah, or even a dollar amount of their wealth. So it could go either way. There's some debate as to whether it's the percentage or the dollar amount. Uh, what I would recommend is a society in which there is an equitable tax system. 
right for now rich we, and poor. Right now we have a, a, a government that discriminates. It does, and, and it, it makes it, it very it, difficult it, to function. All, yeah, on all levels. I mean, we've seen the blindfold ripped off of justice. We've had programs about that. So that the government is discriminating in justice. Now the government is discriminating in taxation and has for a long, long time. And so we have this, as you said, this inequity, but it's really government discrimination. And, and another way of putting it is that the government is picking winners and losers economically. One of the principles I would really impress upon this listener and all listeners is the principle that the Lord Jesus Christ gave us when he told the Pharisees to show him the coin. And then he said, render the Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. And what he's saying is, if you have already surrendered something to Caesar by the use of Caesar's monies or submitted yourself to Caesar's control— by the incorporation of certain welfare payments, then you will have to submit to Caesar's rules in relation to the funding or in relation to what Caesar has already committed to, to, to do for you. Well, I'd, I'd take a look at it a different way, and that is whatever Caesar puts his name on, he has a right to a portion of it. For example, taxation, okay, or say the post office. But the there is a limit, and that is God owns everything, and so therefore he is ultimately in control. But a principle that has come back again and again is those who have submitted themselves to the public schools, right. that is public funding by the public schools, need to play by the public school rules. That is, you cannot exempt yourself from the sex ed programs and such that are required upon you by that public school because you have already submitted yourself to the funding and control of that school. So if you have already signed up to this aspect of Caesar's control, now you're going to have to submit yourself to Caesar's rules in relation to that institution. So the point is that if you submit yourself to a certain welfare program in relation to your children, especially, then you're going to have to submit to Caesar's rules in relation to that. And that especially refers to the funding of Caesar's programs. That is what Caesar funds, Caesar controls. If you have signed up to Caesar's funding of your children's education, you should acquiesce to the visitation of Caesar's representatives to your homeschool or to your program. In other words, if Caesar says, I've been funding your program for the last three years. Now we're sending inspectors into your homeschool to be sure that you're doing everything right. You're just going to have to submit yourselves to those strings attached. And the strings may be added to the uh, program as you have submitted yourself to that program. So friends, remember this, that, you render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, to God the things that are God's. And if you have submitted yourself already to Caesar's control of a certain thing, then you will have to submit yourself to Caesar's regulations as they come along. And so that's one of the principles I would encourage. And this is one reason why I recommend tax credits over tax vouchers or voucher programs or welfare programs. When you sign up for a welfare program or voucher program, it is not a tax credit. It is not a subtraction away from taxes you would pay on the front end. It is rather a reception of the benefits that come from a government that is funding you or your children's education or what have you. So I guess what I would encourage is that families would uh, limit themselves to tax credits and that they do not take more than what they would pay in 
to Caesar's programs. That is, if if you're if you if you owe a three thousand dollars in taxes, you should not take away thirty four hundred dollars in tax credits. You should take away about three thousand dollars in tax credits and no more than that, because any more than that would submit yourself to some form of funding and therefore some added control of what you're doing with your family or with your home. Yeah, and it does get sticky because we have laws, tax laws that that give us uh, give different levels of income, different levels of benefits in the sense of of not being taxed or tax breaks. And so it's a it's a difficult thing to navigate um, as a Christian because we we are living in Caesar's world. It's not, you know, it it's exactly what Jesus said. You know that there is a there is a a government that's in control that is maybe even anti-Christian and anti-biblical for certain certainly you know, as it applies economics and taxes to the to the, its populace. But it's incredibly important that. You know, God has still allowed for us islands of freedom here, Bill. I think it's important that families can exempt themselves from the controls. We've seen this in the state of Colorado again and again, where families who decide not to sign up with the charter schools, decide not to take the state benefits, decide not to take the free curriculum through charter school programs for their homeschools decide not to send their kids off to public schools are not needing to submit themselves to regulations relating to comprehensive sex ed. They do not need to submit themselves to regulations relating to immunizations. They have been exempted again and again. Why? Because they did not submit themselves to the funding. They did not receive the funding for the children's education and therefore were not obligated to submit themselves to the regulations. So I think this line is a fairly clear line that's been set in the sand and it has been upheld by a number of Supreme Court decisions as well as uh, lower court decisions relating to uh, children who attend public schools. Again and again, what we find, if you check your kids into the public schools, if you're taking the public monies, you will have to submit yourself to the regulations relating to the health care of your children, the educational programs your children the go st- through. The state so becomes forth. the parent, basically. It, and it does. And it does. But thankfully, for some reason— you know, Caesar has limited and God has ordained that Caesar's jurisdiction be limited over families that refuse his jurisdiction in certain areas and refuse to receive certain uh, welfare programs or state funding for their children's education. So so I guess the principle, friends, is if you if you love your liberty, if you want to continue to be free, then take advantage of the islands of freedom and do not submit yourself to the state requirements that would come with state funding in these various areas. In other words, reject the welfare, turn away from the government voucher programs. There's a difference between tax credits and vouchers. I'd like to present the idea of the tennis shoe voucher program where uh, everybody pays their taxes. You pay in two, three hundred dollars a year. At the end of the year, you get one hundred and forty dollars to go out and buy tennis shoes. However, you cannot buy tennis shoes with Christian insignia on them. You can only buy tennis shoes from certain uh, providers of tennis shoes. And you have all these limitations. And then eventually you have state officials that will come into your home and examine the tennis shoes that you have purchased just to be sure that you are following the regulations relating to the tennis shoe voucher program. Tennis shoe tax credit program is where you keep your own 200 bucks and go buy your own stupid shoes. 
and yeah. don't submit yourself to the voucher program, the welfare program, and the regulations that are required by the state. So, friends, I hope you can see something of a difference between tax credits and vouchers, welfare programs, and the tax credits where you don't pay the taxes. And you just go out and buy your own tennis shoes. You go out and pay for your own children's education. That's the difference. And I think we should continue to fight tooth and nail for whatever freedoms we can retain for families across this country, especially in the area of education and child welfare. Absolutely essential. Otherwise, we will increasingly submit ourselves to child welfare inspectors that do not share our worldview and do not appreciate our approach to training or to the education of our children. And we don't want to go there. Well, friends, we'll be back in just a moment with more on the Generations Broadcast. Ever since the creation of the Garden of Eden, Satan has been working his hardest to erase the knowledge of God and seduce the creatures made in God's image to think that they are the center of the universe. One look at today's society and you see his progress. Humanistic thought has inundated our culture, and we can trace its roots directly back to the classroom and the textbooks we're setting in front of our kids. That's why every Christian homeschool parent should have a curriculum that's not only rock-solid academically, but most importantly will point students back to their Creator as the source of all wisdom and knowledge, and to Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. If you've been struggling to find such a curriculum, look no further. Here at Generations, we've spent over 15 years developing our Christian discipleship curriculum to help Christian homeschool parents like you pass on the faith to your children by teaching a God-centered view of life and integrating the Bible into every lesson. Our goal is to not only help you meet your students' academic needs, but also to assist you in discipling your children for generations to come. So get started today with our Christian Discipleship Curriculum and watch your children marvel, learn, and mature as they embark on a God-focused learning adventure to discover more about the world around them and the one who made it all. You can learn more about our curriculum resources and pick up our newly released 5th grade curriculum pack today at generations.org slash curriculum. That's generations.org slash curriculum. And we're back on the Generations Broadcast interacting with a very difficult question. How do we find our way around a totally socialist system or a totalitarian system that is almost totally totalitarian, which is where we are today? And Bill, these are difficult cases. Again, I think one of the principles is let's defend our freedom. Let's defend our islands of freedom. And yet there are points at which we might want to or have to sacrifice freedom for the cause of some kind of ministry. We want to do something like fostering children, for example. When we fostered babies, we were given, we fostered through a a state agency. And as a result, we were eligible for food from the food bank that the state ran. Okay. And it's not that we needed the food, but we were eligible because we were fostering a baby. And fostering children. And it was a benefit to our family. I mean, at that time, we needed that benefit. But, you know, there's that, there is that 
do we eat meat offered to idols kind of question, you know, and I think we need to extend grace to people and, and let them decide, you know, is this something that is, that I'm, that is an offense to me? Mm -hmm. It's not illegal. It's not necessarily immoral, but is it something that, I will find offensive. The food offered to idols principle is important. And the the point there is that by taking the food in the shambles, are you offering explicit or implicit support for the idolatry involved right. with that food offered to idols? And that can be a subjective thing. I think every person needs to ask themselves, am I – signaling some kind of basic support for an ungodly system right. by participating in the economy of this system. Right. Evidently, the food offered to idols sold in the shambles is probably a better deal. Uh, so people would pick it up and it wouldn't be they, – they wouldn't see it as supporting the idolatry. And the assumption was the person selling it uh, wouldn't have seen this as an explicit support for the idolatry involved in the idolatrous system. Uh, the other aspect to this also is that um, that the, the Bible does encourage freedom, but there's a qualification. 1 Corinthians 7.21 says – if you may be free, use it rather. But it doesn't require everybody to maintain the same standard or to seek the same standard of freedom. Freedom, out from under the unnecessary servitude of men, is a value. And I encourage people to seek it where they can get it. But there are points at which we simply don't have it. We, we live in a system in which we are our freedoms are somewhat limited back to the fostering issue you know i i deplore the idea of the state being involved in that at all mm -hmm. it should be the church right. if not the family then the church the state should not be involved in that and yet we live in a culture where we have given over mm -hmm. that responsibility from the church to the state and so then do we not participate well, for the sake of the children? Should we yeah, participate? Right. And there's, there is that tension of yeah. being in but not of the well, world. Well, you're an individual and your options are limited. That's the point. Mm -hmm. You know, the system is already gone corrupt. socialist. It's corrupt. It's already corrupted. Now we have to somehow survive in this system, as the early church had to as well. Right. And that's why Paul brings out the example of food offered to idols. So your your options are limited in a socialist system, and you have to operate within that system and hopefully minister and find opportunities to serve the widow or the orphan within the context of that system. At, at the same time, working to change the system. As best as we can. Yes. Yep. So we offer hope with one hand and restraint with another against the system that is tyrannical and trying to usurp the re, the authority and the jurisdiction of the family. Yeah. So, friends, a, a huge measure of Christian liberty in these decisions. But we've laid out as many of the principles as we can on this edition of the program. And I hope this is helpful for you as you attempt to make these applications in your own individual situations. And I would encourage you also to our little book, The Story of Freedom, 
which tells you the story of 800 years of the battle for Western liberties. And also the last three to four chapters deal with all of these very difficult uh, situations that we are confronting today in an increasingly totalitarian state throughout the Western world and also the Eastern world. Pretty much the whole world has been taken by the totalitarian as a socialism of Marxism. And so we still have to function within this system. While at the same time, as Bill said, we are doing our best to change the system and to educate our children to a biblical approach to economy, a biblical approach to the political systems. And uh, that's why we are presenting a distinctively biblical worldview approach to our education. I think the very best thing that students can do, Bill, is is the very best thing that families can do is to educate their children on firm foundations, on biblical principle from the earliest grades on into high school and then into the college years. And that's, of course, why you present what you do in the college years for those who want to take that uh, year program. At Worldview um, at the Abbey. Worldview Academy. Yeah. Worldview Bridge Year. And uh, they can just check us out at worldview.org. All right. Well, we're doing the best, friends, that we can to equip the next generation. Also, I've mentioned Teen Pact is another great opportunity to to prepare your young people for a biblical approach to the civil magistrate. And uh, Bill is involved with Teen Pact, as I was for many years as well. So Teen Pact, uh, the Worldview Academy. Also, our Christian discipleship uh, approach to curriculum in which we bring a distinctively biblical worldview approach uh, to grades 1 through 12. And uh, the first four grades soon to be released and within the next eight to nine months. So Christians, all, Christians really do need to get serious about education until we, we do, do. Until yeah. we do, we cannot complain about the culture around we're us. We're going to be losing and we're going to be losing and we're going to be losing until we bring a distinctively biblical worldview approach to 12 years, no make that 16 years of education for our children. A, life, a lifetime of education. Bring a biblical worldview to bear in all areas of life and let's begin with the curriculum we give our kids. I would encourage you again to our Christian Discipleship Curriculum at our website, generations.org. This is the only way we're going to lay good foundations, new foundations for new opportunities for the future, for our future generations. Our Christian Discipleship Curriculum available at generations.org. This is Kevin Swanson and Bill Jack, and we invite you back again next time as we continue to lay down a vision for the next generation.